0: Hi, you guys. I'm Cat, and I hope you come hang out with me on Cat Sadler now. On my weekly podcast, I continue to ask the questions. I've been interviewing people for more than 25 years now, but that doesn't mean I found all the answers. Make sure to listen to Cat Sadler now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Enneagram and Coffee, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Case, and I am so happy to have coffee with you today. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I am working with a new microphone, which should be a little bit better than the one we had before, so let me know how the sound's going, if it's improving at all. I am still recording from home, so you might still hear household sounds. People do live here, and they are home, so you might hear people doing dishes, walking around, making sounds, because that's just kind of what we're working with now. Today we are talking all things anti-racism and the Enneagram. This is in no way me claiming to be an anti-racism expert, but it is me creating a space calling more people into the work. But first, today's episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare offers thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on topics including gardening, video editing, Facebook ads, and more. Members get unlimited access to thousands of inspiring classes with hands-on projects and feedback from a community of millions. Each course has their own community comment section, which lets you connect to more people who share your interests. With everything going on in the world, I've needed some things that were just for creativity. If you saw my burnout post recently, I talked about how type 7s need to keep up hobbies as a way to prevent burnout. I recently took illustration and inspiration, keeping a sketchbook with Leah Gorin, as a bit of a self-care infusion. It was so refreshing to spend time dedicated to just something creative and fun and to learn a new skill along the way. Skillshare is always very affordable, especially when compared to in-person classes and workshops, which can be pretty pricey. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month, but... You can start with two free months of mem- premium membership and explore creativity at skillshare.com coffee. Now, in today's podcast, I want to take the social media post that I did on the feed about what could be preventing you from showing up right now and wor- how to work through that discomfort to keep going. I know many of you don't follow the Instagram, but mostly listen here, and I know that sometimes these posts are better when they're expanded on. So we're going to dive in type by type the first thing I wish I could have said about these is that of course it may not be where you are right now. You may have already worked through this. I can't say anything about anyone that would apply to every single human who is that number. This is kind of a reverse engineer of me asking myself, what are the common things standing in the way of people joining in on the movement right now, and which Enneagram may struggle with that. So keep that in mind. If you don't relate to the one for your type, you could relate to one from another. So hopefully, either way, you stay present, you listen, and you join us in the work. We're going to start with type 9 today because we almost always start with type 1, and I thought it would be fun to start backwards. So for our type 9s, type 9s fear loss of connection, and they prioritize their own peace of mind. Their structure sits at the top of the system, making them particularly capable of seeing multiple perspectives. With this, a few things could arise. You could have a desire to stay out of it as an attempt to preserve your own inner peace and prevent speaking up and severing connection. I had a direct quote come in from a Type 9 who I asked to help me with the series, and he said, We need to remember that the conflict happening now is a result of something out of our control, a history of people being ignored. We need to remember that what is happening now is a pathway to peace. I've had a lot of people expand on this idea and say, we need to recognize that discomfort isn't the same as a lack of peace. Comfort isn't the same as peace. And that a lot of the work is creating peace, not just for myself in this moment, but for all people long-term. The belief that their voice of a nine doesn't matter is a really strong message that they've received their whole life. So sometimes they can feel like it's not their job because they don't see themselves as leaders. So a lot of the work here for our nines is to step into their own leadership potential. And when you're starting to work through this, you can begin to recognize that someone's unrest is not an assault on your peace. Instead, it's a sign of unmet need. Begin to see that you are needed in this work, and in fact, you, as a white person, will not surpass benefiting from the oppression of black humans, and therefore you need to take an active and engaged stance against racism. You cannot be passively anti-racist. Recognize that you may sever some connections by expressing your opinion, but then remind yourself that you are severing the right ones and making room for new connections. In the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, he says the opposite of racist isn't not racist. It is anti-racist. What's the difference? One endorses either the idea of a, ra- a racial hierarchy as a racist or racial equality as an anti-racist. One either believes problems are rooted in groups of people as a racist or locates the roots of problems in power and policies as an anti-racist. One either allows racial inequ- inequities to persevere as a racist or or confronts racial inequalities as an anti-racist. There is no in-between. Safe space of not racist. What he's saying here is that when we take the side of preserving our peace of mind, in these moments, we're taking the side of allowing oppression to persevere. So now is the time to push past your own discomfort and take steps in the direction of dismantling a system and reworking the system so that it can more serve everyone. Now, while you may be tempted to sit out of the hard conversations with people you know who aren't doing the work, you are actually uniquely qualified to do this, to have these conversations. Your ability to see multiple perspectives makes you a safe place to work out doubts and fears and allows a right place for people to actually change their mind. Have the hard conversations with people in the DMs, with your family, with people in positions of power. You can do it. Before we move on to type 8, I do want to say that I wrote these specifically to white people, fellow white people, because one, I don't feel qualified talking to people of color who aren't black about how to be anti racist. It doesn't feel like I'm particularly qualified or like it, I should do that. Um, and also, obviously, this isn't for black people to come into the work. It's m- because I, again, don't feel qualified or like it's my role to do that. But I do think that. As a white woman, unfortunately, when I speak, the world listens and fellow white people listen. And if there's an opportunity for me to use my voice for good, I want to do that. So I just want to preface as we move forward that speaking directly to the white community isn't an exclusionary decision, but more so a decision to do my part in calling more people into the work. I think as someone with a platform, Right now, it feels particularly relevant and particularly like it is my job to bring these issues to light and to stay present with the work. Otherwise, I really don't believe I deserve this platform. So that is what I'm doing. Also, I want to say if I sound a little bit winded today is because I'm having a little bit of a bad lung day. So I'm having a little bit of a hard time getting through these, but I hope you guys will stick with me as we do. All right, type eight, things that may be hindering your anti-racism work right now. Type eights value strength and fear being controlled by others. They have a fierce instinct to defend the underdog and deny their own vulnerability. Now, this can show up in a couple of ways. Preferring to be the one calling people out over being the one open to feedback. Using language and posture that presents you as the one who has done the work and not someone also learning believing that you are indestructible and therefore not taking the necessary precautions to not burn out, so you can do this long-term. If you see the police as the underdog in this scenario because they are being protested against, this can cause you to not be open to hearing the harm that has been done for generations by a system that isn't working. I've started to see white finger pointing as another form of white silencing. We halt the movement when we prioritize our anger over actual change. When we attack people for doing the wrong thing, we don't make them less racist, we make them less publicly racist, and likely force them to see themselves differently than us, thus solidifying the beliefs they held on to before. Our Black brothers and sisters are grieving, they're in danger, and they're angry. Our anger, our grief, our frustration with the system is all second-hand. So while I'm not saying not to call people out, I am saying we as white people have the privilege of being strategic. Check and make sure you aren't calling out people on behalf of your own ego. Is this an easy out for doing the work inside of yourself? And an easier route than mutual vulnerability and patiently attempting to open the eyes of those who don't see things clearly. There is research after research that says that shame does not beget change. This is one of the primary messages of the book that I wrote about how we shouldn't shame ourselves into growth because it's just ineffective. And while, oh my gosh, it is hard, and I can tell you that I'm fielding thousands of DMs a day, and sometimes I just don't have it to sit patiently and talk calmly and to not tell them that they're wrong. But when we do, when we do pause, when we do slow down, we ask questions, we're more inclined to change their mind than we are if we are to shame them. I want to say, though, please keep calling people into the work encourage you to use us, our, and we language when you do so. So instead of you are incredibly problematic, don't you know that? Try I had to learn this too, that this was actually something that caused harm. Here's what I learned and who I learned it from. I've started insert action here instead. Let me know if I can talk to you more about this. It's important to remember that we are not beyond our own anti-racism work. All right, type sevens. Type 7 structure avoids pain and resists limitations. This can lead to a couple of things. Avoiding the reality of what is happening and seeking the positive news stories. So really looking for those moments where you see the police kneeling and ignoring that right afterwards they're shooting rubber bullets and using tear gas. Dismissing the pain of those suffering and attempting a forced reframe. Yes, this is happening, but there's also so much good in the world. Resisting direction on how to best show up. When told there is a preferred way for you to show up as an ally, that can feel limiting and optionless, leaving you not open to important feedback. And moving on from the fight too quickly, when another cause arises, jumping on that bandwagon and not sticking through for the long haul. There's a really great quote on toxic positivity from Dr. Allison, and it says, Toxic positivity minimizes and ignores painful feelings and invalidates real experiences and it denies basic human emotions. Toxic positivity stifles feelings that deserve attention and compassion. It damages relationships. It's shaming and blaming. Toxic positivity is stifling, sending a subtle but clear message that there's no space for pain. There's no room for the hard stuff. Toxic positivity invalidates heavy emotions, leaving us feeling alone and isolated. Put simply, toxic positivity makes things worse. Toxic positivity hurts people you care about. When you comfort friends with glossy one-liners, you increase their pain. When you tell a family member it'll all work out, you unintentionally minimize their fear. Toxic positivity puts a sparkly and shiny wall up. It uses flat and empty words to take the place of authentic connection. And instead of being helpful or comforting, it's soul-crushing. Now, when we're working through this, it's important to remember that most sevens reject their own painful emotions out of fear of being sucked into darkness. This overflows into lives of those around us. When we can't handle our pain, we have no space for the pain of others. This can cause us to force positivity into a space that needs connection. It can cause us to shut out the news and ignore the pain of the world. We also fear limitation, and this can cause us to move on quickly from things that take time and attention and hard work. Focus on meditation right now. Take time to get comfortable with stillness, with pain, with limits, This will bleed out into your ability to stay the course for the long haul. You are wonderful at creating a movement and getting energy behind the things you do. So choose an action that you want to support, whether that's calling your mayor, emailing your city council, showing up for city council meetings to advocate for whatever it is that you believe you need to be advocating for right now, donating to a specific organization or protesting, choose something, and use your natural energy to rally people behind it and get them to join you in taking a clear and specific action. Then make a plan for how you will keep participating. As a fellow seven, I've shared my plan on IGTV for you tomorrow if you would like it. Now our type six. The type six structure seeks security. For many, they find this through belonging to a community or family unit. This can create a reliance on the approval of authority figures. When your authority figures aren't doing their anti-racism work, it can be hard to choose to do your own. It can feel like rejecting the people who've supported you, like you'd be letting them down. The type 6 structure also seeks certainty. This can lead to asking for a lot of support before taking action, sometimes over relying on black humans for individualized feedback on how to do the right thing when they're already just dealing with a lot right now. In the book, So You Want to Talk About Race, it says, I know that it's hard to believe that the people you look to for safety and security are the same people who are causing us so much harm. But I'm not lying, and I'm not delusional. I'm scared, and I am hurting, and we are dying. And I really, really need you to believe me. You are naturally inclined to side with those you surround yourself with, to maintain your belonging and the approval of those you admire. If those people aren't on an anti-racist journey, it may be time for you to find new people. It may be time to trust yourself and take the risk to stand up for what you believe in. There are so many of us on the journey to systemic change, and we're here with open arms waiting for you to join the fight. In addition, it's okay to ask for feedback, but when asking individual support, try to not overload the inboxes of Black humans right now. There is so much content already out there, books like the one listed in the previous section, YouTube videos, Instagram content. It exists already, and it is so vast that it will surely cover your scenarios. If you can, join in on a protest. Use your superpower of preparation for good. Come prepared for not only what you need, but what others may need as well. See if there's a medic that needs supplies or support. You're so equipped for this. If you can't join a live protest, see if you can deliver supplies or record a video and share about all of the precautions that you would be taking if you knew you'd be faced with tear gas, rubber bullets, potential injuries, and long hours on your feet. A quick break because today's episode is also sponsored by stamps.com. As many of you know, I'm high risk with everything that's going on right now. And our house is trying desperately to limit the amount of people we come in contact with in a given week. Now we still have to run the business and things need to get shipped and honestly thank heavens for stamps.com with stamps.com. You can print postage on demand and skip the lines and crowds at the post office. Plus you can actually save some money with the discounts that you can't even get at the post office. To make it even better, Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62% and no UPS residential surcharges. This is amazing for us because we're already shipping with UPS for our Nespresso pod recycling and my new lease subscriptions. We're really able to consolidate our contact by streamlining our shipping with Stamps.com. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just leave it for your mail carrier, schedule a free package pickup, or drop it in a mailbox. No human contact required, and it's that simple. And like I said, with Stamps.com, you can get great discounts too. 5 cents off every first class stamp, and up to 62% off shipping rates. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, especially now, saving you time and money and keeping you safe in these crazy times. Right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. So if you have a business of any kind or you regularly ship, this should be an easy yes. A month totally free with zero commitment and a present. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in the capital letters E and C. That's stamps.com and go to the mic and enter E and C stay safe, my friends. Okay, type fives. These are quotes from the type five I asked to give feedback on their growth journey. They said it better than I could write it. So I want to read it here. I've been afraid of being exhausted or not having the energy it takes to empathize and hold space for other people. So I turn to logic and avoid intense feelings. It is easier to live in the echo chamber of my own thoughts where I feel safe. I need to have conversations, no matter how awkward or uncomfortable they are, with people who push and question me, and with those in my own life that I need to be pushed and questioned. Lisa Renee Hall did an amazing Instagram post, and I encourage you to go to her account, follow her, and read it, talking about intellectualization, and I want to read it to you here. Intellectualization is the reason you put together 66 people you can learn from to be anti-racist, but you're not doing any of the work because you think research is enough intellectualization is the reason you want to be seen and congratulated as an ally seen as one of the good ones and not do the quiet and invisible work of interrogating your inner impressor intellectualization is the reason you'll eventually abandon anti-racist anti-bias and anti-oppression work because you didn't get an immediate return on your investment oof type 5s have often operated with the belief that you shouldn't speak up until you call yourself an expert Yet in anti-racist work, you will need to accept that you are never going to be an expert and you should keep speaking anyway. I often tell type 5s you don't need to know everything in order to lead. You just need to look back to where you've been and pull people from that place closer to where you are now. In addition, I think it's particularly important for type 5 individuals to not shy away from the footage. I'm not saying that you watch the violent videos or you share the violent videos because I know this is controversial and it's shared trauma but what I mean is you stay present with the pain, with the oppression. You feel it and you let it impact your psyche and your actions. I also encourage you to pull the stats for us. Take your area of expertise and do the research to back up the cause. There are people creating false statistic videos about police violence, and you can support by compiling a list of credible sources to support the work and share wildly. In addition, take time to donate to the bailout funds of those being arrested in your area. Many of the people protesting can't afford bail and have been unjustly arrested already. There's a list included in the bailout funds for several states at bailfunds.github.io. Okay, Type 4s. Centralizing your narrative and your experience when doing activist work, it can show up in a couple of ways. So getting caught up in how you feel about the situation and entertaining that to the point of not taking action, feeling as though in order to speak, you need to know how you specifically are needed and find your unique voice in the conversation, or maybe talking more about how you're experiencing this season than listening to the experiences of Black humans. One of my favorite authors, Audre Lorde, wrote, as white women ignore their built-in privilege of whiteness and define woman in terms of their own experience alone, then women of color become other an outsider whose experience and tradition is too alien to comprehend. One of your priorities in life is sharing your unique perspective. This can be one of your biggest triggers too. If you feel like you don't get to share how you see the world, it can feel like you're being shut down and silenced. In addition, you are a withdrawing type, meaning you face intense experiences, you're more likely to withdraw than to take action. Choose action over consumption. Choosing to feed your mind with more and more information to get your next emotional hit just makes this about your experience and doesn't benefit the cause. Notice when this comes up, stop what you're doing and take action. When faced with feedback or stories from Black humans, please don't express your feelings at this time. Be strong, listen, stand firm, and go home and feel everything you need to feel and process with your white friends. When we make their stories about our feelings, we unintentionally make the people we are intending to empathize with become our emotional support. Speak up, don't wait to find your unique way of contributing, just keep showing up. Type fours, I also ask that you please call other people into the work of authenticity with their growth work. Invite people to share their learnings and how they've changed. Share your own mishaps and failings and share what you've learned from a place of humility. When fours do this, they light fires under a revolution and it's such important work. Okay, type threes. What might get in your way right now is wanting to hold on to the belief that white privilege isn't real or doesn't include you. The desire to hold on to the illusion that we've earned everything that has come to us and that everyone could be where we are if they just worked hard enough or chose the right path. Beverly Daniel Tatum says, White people also have a race, but don't always think about what it means to be white in a largely white-dominated society. Sometimes struggle with the concept of white privilege. What are the benefits or the advantages to being white in a society that has historically given benefits and advantages to members of the dominant group? If you are a person who has that privilege, you don't necessarily notice it. It is something taken for granted. Let's use the example of racial profiling. If you're driving on the highway and you are not randomly stopped, you don't get to the end of your drive and say, gee, I wasn't randomly stopped today. You just take for granted that you got in your car, drove to your destination without incident, like you do most days. It's not something that you think of as a function of being a white person in a society, you know? When grasping to the idea that we must achieve in order to be worthwhile, we unconsciously create an internal environment that needs to hold on to the belief that we have earned our success, the idea of the self-made man. In reality, we as white people benefit greatly by simply the color of our skin. We're given opportunities, we work together to network and lift each other's voices, and we grew up knowing that our voice and our life mattered to society. This makes it much, much easier to not only get opportunities, but to believe that they're available to us. If you're an Enneagram 3 in the public eye right now, make a point to be clear where you stand. No love and light stuff. We need to see you say Black Lives Matter and tell us what you plan to do. What actions do you intend to take? In addition, tell us what you have learned about the privilege that has helped you to gain your resources. Put in your contracts that you won't do speaking engagements, podcast interviews, summits, or anything else that aren't diverse. If you aren't in the public eye, do the work of recognizing and acknowledging how privilege has benefited you, and then create and compile a list of Black experts that you can recommend when asked for recommendations. All right, type twos. I know that most of you feel, have expressed that you're coming in with good intentions and taking action, and then when you've been called out, you're feeling offended and it makes you want to give up. A good example of this being the Blackout posts that are going up this season Some appreciated them and others are saying they're not helpful and actually do harm. Taking the time to do what feels like the right thing only to end up being told it's the wrong thing could be particularly difficult for twos. John Michael Torres wrote, you're a caring and decent person, but someone just called you out on something you did or said. As a decent human being, you don't think you routinely do things that are damaging or hurtful. And for that reason, your first reaction might be to get defensive and defend yourself. But like all people, your actions can sometimes have unintended effects on others. We might not know how damaging our actions can actually be, so in order to come out of the experience a better person, you can follow a few simple steps when someone calls you out. At some point in your life, you've likely believed that love is earned, that you have to show up in a certain way in order to earn love. This eternal message creates an environment where you feel as though your access to love is always on the chopping block. When trying to earn love through activism, we're putting too much pressure on the response that we will receive from those we're sharing with. We're giving them authority over our relationship to self and therefore making them responsible for something that isn't theirs to carry, handing them a burden when we're trying to help. Your job is to give without expectation of a good response. Give knowing that at some point it will be the wrong thing and listen and learn gracefully. I encourage type twos to take time to write and call and demand justice for the murder of Brianna Taylor. This is an act that is not only important, but it's private, meaning you are doing the right thing even if no one can see it and tell you thank you. You're still showing up. In addition, be okay taking messy action. We are all going to mess up. Keep going anyway. All right, a final type, type one. What could come up for some type ones is Focusing on the wrongful actions of those fighting for justice. So something like, yes, but they shouldn't be protesting in that way. Or I agree, but he was committing a crime. Or if he would have just been compliant, then this wouldn't have happened. Lincoln Anthony Blades writes, The anti-police brutality movement is not about asserting that every black person who comes in contact with the police is a great upstanding person. It's about believing that senseless killings and excessive force are not right and definitely should not be focused in one community. Part of what makes America great is the commitment to due process. If someone does something wrong, they should face the consequences of the law and not broken bones or moral wounds before a trial takes place. Deprogramming your mind away from seeing suspects as evil criminals with irretrievable souls is the fastest way to avoid finding yourself aligning with bigots. Notice the part of you that rejects rule-breaking in yourself. This is the part that overflows and rejects it in others. Allow yourself to be more open to gray areas of thought and consider how you would want to be treated were you to do something wrong. Notice and get honest with yourself about the part of you that would have compassion and righteous anger if it were your child, and then acknowledge that it's not okay to feel differently just because they aren't your family or they have a different tone of skin. I believe that you, more than anyone, will do the most if you join in for the protests. See how it feels to be there. Put yourself in the line of fire to protect black humans. Realize that it's real what is happening and stand in the gap. Being in the middle of things will make it obvious how much our judgments are a waste of energy and a hindrance to the change that is needed. And now just a second to talk to our Black community. First, I want to say it makes sense that many of you have mentioned how your type pattern is showing up stronger right now. Of course it is. This is what we've learned to use as our coping mechanism when things get hard. Of course it's here. I'm not particularly inclined to tell you to reject it right now if I'm completely honest. When we're in survival mode, we reach for the easiest path of safety, and I believe that is our Enneagram type. So please have grace for yourself in this process. However, I've learned a lot about how leaning on these mechanisms can keep us from truly acknowledging our grief and moving through it in a healthy way. I did a post in the feed talking about how to tell if you're coping or grieving. Go check it out if that's something you want support with at this time. In general, please know that I believe that it's my work and the work of other people doing anti-racism work to pick up where you may need to put down right now. I've spent most of my life dropping in and out of our racial equality work, and this is your lived experience. I'm committed to being there as a support for the long haul, as are many others here, and I'm really sorry it's taken us so long. Again, I just want to take a second to encourage you if This episode brought things up for you, if it pissed you off, if it made you uncomfortable, that you sit with that feeling, you allow it to be present, and you choose to take action anyway. I know that there's a lot of talk about white people stay quiet right now, and I think I can see the value in that. I also think white people created this problem, and white people are going to have to engage in order to fix it. As always, thank you so much for joining this journey with me doing the hard work of exploring your ego and how we can move through life without the ego driving everything we do. That's good work. If you're someone who's still figuring out your type, make sure you join me on Patreon because we are doing a live workshop over there right now, not, you know, next week, <laughs> if you're listening to this in real time, it's happening next week. So if you are looking to figure out your type, their self-typing workshop is available today. And then we'll do a live call to answer any and all questions that you might have then. And don't miss out on those amazing deals either from stamps.com and Skillshare. You get two free months of Skillshare at skillshare.com slash coffee and one month free and a digital scale at stamps.com. Just go to the microphone and use the code capital letters E and C.